What's up, everybody? This is Jason Roy from Building 429. Right now, you're listening to my friends on Frequency. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Frequency Podcast, and I'm, of course, with Joe Brookhouse in the West Coast. It's, it's what, 10 a.m. there? Yeah. Just, just yeah. getting into your day. I'm just coming off of my lunch high. Uh, now I'm going into a low. <laughs> 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 yeah. I'm going to need coffee soon. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're coming off a busy Easter weekend. We're both involved in, in leadership and ministry. Uh, how was church for you uh, this Easter weekend, Joe? It was pretty phenomenal. My church is pretty small. I don't know how much I've gotten into that. I, actually, it's it's a typical size. It's about 80 people normally, and we had about 115 on okay. Sunday. But uh, the thing that to me, and I don't know if I say this enough or if I've even said it on the podcast before, but my church... It's like the singingest church that I've ever experienced. I mean, there is no hesitation to sing. Mm. They may barely know the song. They are singing full volume, full of enthusiasm. Nobody has their arms crossed looking at me like a cow at a passing train. I mean, none of that's <laughs> happening. And, and then on I never East, heard it put that way. but <laughs> no, I, I stole it from a uh, Don Henley song. That's okay. just one of those, my favorite lines, you know, they just stared at me uncomprehendingly like a cow at a passing train, you know, and I just <laughs> I like thought that. that is fantastic. I love that line. I'm sure it's some, something from Texas, you know, yeah, because that's where yeah. all the good colloquialisms come from. Um, <laughs> but anyway, they sang so loud on Sunday um, with everybody in attendance plus guests that I couldn't hear the worship team. Wow. And at first I went, Ooh, that's an issue. And then I realized, no, because we can just get out of the way. They yes. are worshiping, you know, as long as they understand what the rhythm of the song is and they got the words, our job is done. We can just worship. And that's really mm -hmm. fantastic, you know, to, to yeah. experience it yeah. like that. How about you? No, that's great. Well, we have the benefit of having multiple worship teams. So our Good Friday service was more of a, a multimedia video. Um, I, I did a devotional for about five or seven minutes, um, which is, is tough if you're a pastor to only talk for five or seven minutes. Um, but the whole focus was on scripture and on, um, you know, getting us to the cross. There's a lot of, um, international people here. You know, we have a, a Christian day school. So, uh, there's a lot of people that just don't know the gospel. They don't understand why Jesus did what he did. Um, they don't understand resurrection. You know, they right. may understand death and blood, but not that he rose from the dead, you know? So we focused on that, but, I don't actually play music now. Um, we have lots of people to do that. So yeah, Friday was one team. And then on Sunday, it's another team. So no one feels taxed preparing, you know, yeah. 30 songs. Um, you know, Friday, there's probably a dozen to 15 songs and then Sunday's six. So yeah, it was good. It was um, full house, a lot of guests, a lot of visitors. Typically we get 220, 230 on a Sunday and we had almost 310. Wow. Um, you know, and not all just tire kickers, not all, you know, like the Christmas and Easter visitors. Um, we had people that are moving here, people that are, are 
you know, that they're, they're staying here. They're, they're residents that are trying out the church. So, uh, part of that's because we had a building program and people notice us, we changed our sign and, you know, put our logo out. Um, and anytime people see progress in a small place like PEI, they want to check you out. Um, but we also live stream our services. So if you go to Grace PEI, you, you could watch all of our services. So, you know, it's all of that combined made for a very busy weekend, but it was good. I mean, it's a lot colder here than it would be where you are. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, our, our uh, Easter was about, and we'll have to translate this. I know it was 65, right, mid-60s Fahrenheit. Which, yeah. you know, and I, of course, because I, I don't respect anybody in Canada, I haven't taken the time <laughs> to determine what that equates to in terms of Celsius. Uh, you might know better because you are such a considerate group of folk. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to buy you a um, Fahrenheit Celsius thermometer with blue rodeo on it. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I like that idea. Because you respect Blue Rodeo and they're Canadian, so there you go. Yeah, what we, we were, you and I were talking about something the other day, where I knew more about Canadian music than you did. What was yes. that? Uh, um, oh man, it was, yeah. oh I know. Um, I was having an exchange with a guy named Ron Sexsmith, who yes. is um, um, a, a a very very talented um, singer songwriter from the Toronto area. And yeah. I, like West uh, of Toronto where I lived. Yeah. Hello. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I had, uh, he and I were exchanging tweets like you do. And, and uh, <laughs> Paul Balash came on and liked the tweet where I mentioned both uh, Jim Cuddy, lead singer of, um, one of the lead singers from blue rodeo. If people mm -hmm. didn't know, and I'm also telling you in case Dan, you oh, I knew. Okay. Just yeah. checking. And then, and Ron, uh, so I was, it was an exchange with them and Paul liked that. And you and I, our exchange about that was, I wonder who Paul was liking, Jim Cuddy or Ron Sexsmith. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, you don't know Ron Sexsmith. Okay. I get that. I don't and get a lot that. Of, and a lot of American uh, musicians or worship leaders wouldn't know that there's a Canadian tie with Paul Blosh as well. Is, isn't that through uh, uh, French Canada? Yes. Okay. Isn't that where it's like his parents are from? His mom? I think, yeah. 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 In his family line. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I he lives in what? New York now, but. Yeah. In a studio yeah. apartment, you know. Yeah. But, but anyway, uh, <laughs> so that's, that's me. That's, that's our little side conversation for the day. Um, but we did talk about Texas, which gives me a segue. There you go. <laughs> Sad. Sad. <laughs> <laughs> into, uh, into our interview today, which is part two of your interview with Joel Vaughn. Part yeah. one was that lead up into, you know, who is this guy? What's his background? Mm -hmm. uh, and and we stopped it just in time, you know, to start that transition into more of his professional career. Yeah. And I think, I mean, Joel did a good job of presenting himself. I don't think I said more than um or yeah <laughs> when he was talking because he I think uh, that's true I think that's true <laughs> yeah he's I mean he's definitely um he's a talker and he says that he's he's a pretty funny guy um full of energy full of life um again as with many people who are on our podcast and we try to vet them even ahead of time before recording that we want them to be raw and real and talk about you know what it's really like in the industry, um, how how things actually happen to get to where they are, 
you know, some of family life, some of the struggles. And um, yeah, part two is sort of the, okay, here's where I was. Now, where am I headed? And what does this look like? Um, you know, some people in the industry that he's connected with and what it's like to actually dive into the, the hard music world in the professional realm as a signed artist. So why don't we dive right into part two of my interview with Joel Vaughn. Yeah, so I flew up to Minneapolis and uh, I didn't really have any songs ready. So me and Jonathan wrote a song that day. Um, and uh, one of the first songs we, or one of the last songs we wrote was a song called Love By You, which is one of my favorites that I've, I've ever written. Mm. And uh, it, it was just kind of part of this processing, like never feeling like I could have been loved by God and uh, never understanding grace because uh, the denomination I grew up in didn't really preach about grace. We re They really preached about um uh, stay, staying out of trouble and staying out of sin and, and yeah. stay, get, you know, keep your foot out of hell kind of thing. And the so law, I, I didn't, yeah. sort of like yeah. the independent fundamentalist type. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't understand that concept until I was an adult. And so I was like, I've never written about this. I want to write about it. Yeah. Uh, so I did. And, uh, we wrote, so we had some other songs that we picked. Um, at the time, uh, Jordan Feliz was an indie artist that Jonathan knew. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, Jordan had the song that he had recorded on a indie EP that Jonathan wanted to record, but then Jonathan decided, you know what? I don't want this song, but this is a really special song, um, that my friend Jordan wrote. And I, I want to ask you if you want to do this. And I was like, uh, let me, you know, listen to it. And yeah. I listened to it. And I was like, this song is amazing. And, uh, so he, texted Jordan was like, Hey, you know, that song that I was going to cover of yours He's like, yeah, it's, can we use this for this artist, Joel? And he was like, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Cool. Um, and so, uh, we covered one of Jordan's songs that probably not very many people know unless they knew him before he became what he is now. Right. Um, so <clears throat> we recorded that song, put that whole CD out and that kind of drew attention from a, a few record labels. And, uh, I, I, at that point I was like, okay, like I'd never really wanted to sign a record deal, um, but it's to the point where it's getting so expensive that I, I just cannot self-fund this anymore. And God keeps putting this, putting me in these places where these things are happening and it's this snowball effect. Like maybe this is what God wants me to do. And so um, I think it was the fall of 2015. Um, I got, I got a call from, uh, well, I had talked to a few record labels at this point, and uh, I got a call from uh, Dream Records, which is who Jonathan was with. Uh, he was still with them at the time yeah. that I started kind of pursuing a, a, a contractual relationship with them. And so um, we had a song uh, from that EP remixed by uh, this guy, Doug, who is in a band called We Are Leo. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and he, he remixed it and... Uh, I remember getting it back and going, what am I supposed to do with the re? I'm a worship leader. Like, what, what is, <laughs> like, I, I like this stuff, but what do you, what, what do I do with this? And they were like, you just release it. And I was like, what do I do if I have to perform this? And they're like, well, you don't have to worry about that. You just, you know, put it out there. Yeah. And so I, I talked to dream and so they were like, Hey, let's do this. Let's do this one song deal. Let's just see where it goes. Yeah. Um, it was picked up by dude perfect and put in one of their, one of their more popular episodes, which is, uh, an RC, car thing and it, it just blew up and i have kids oh, yeah. like 
send me emails still to this day. Can we use the song in our in our trick shot video? I like, guarantee sure, man. I guarantee my boys have watched and listened to that song because they're dude perfect fanatics. Oh man, they've they've heard at least three of them then. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. We we started doing remixes because it was just kind of a way to uh cross promote. Um yeah. but because of that, that's that's where I was like, you know, uh Christian music uh on the CHR spectrum doesn't really sound like it used to anymore. It sounds more like um, this kind of stuff. And so I was like, what would it be like if I just did that? Because the dirty little secret I didn't tell you before mm. was I was a closet boy band listener. <laughs> I was going to ask you because I actually found a little bit of information on the new release today uh, yeah. website. And I was going to just joke with you about it. But since you brought it up, there's like back, oh, Backstreet Boys. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, and Sync. So- when I wasn't singing in church as a youth, uh, my brother and one of our friends in Alabama, we started a uh, we started our own little I'll call it a, a an all male vocal group okay. um, that we covered. Um, uh, we we were a boy band. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we we covered boy band music. We would we would sing you know boys to men and Backstreet Boys, and really it was all a ploy to get attention of females our age when we were thirteen and fourteen years old. Well, and that's that it, whole genre, man. Like. Let's yeah, be honest. I mean, it, it worked. Let, let's yeah. just let's just be honest. But here, here's the thing. What what was funny about it is like it, it wasn't just all a ploy for that. It might have been that for my brother and and his friend, but I actually liked it. Like I actually liked singing it. I actually liked listening to it. Yeah. Um. And Joey, uh, my brother, it turns out he really did too. But you know, we were all kind of back then. It was like, oh, you know, we don't really like this stuff. We just <laughs> you know we, we sing it because the girls. But we really did. Yeah. Um. And like I I find myself on long road trips like popping that stuff in and listening to it still. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? I, wow. I just, I can't get away from it. I love it. We, we have uh, to say though, that it does inject energy. Like it does, you know, like that's, that's really uh, what's behind some of that stuff is, is just the energy and the, the emotion and the drama wrapped around relationship. Right. And, and it's done and, well and it's done tight with harmonies. Right. Oh man. Yeah. And I love harmony. And that, that's the thing. I, like I'm a, that's why Jonathan and I got along so well because, uh, I, I'm huge still to this day on the vocals, even when vocals don't take that much of a prominence, like a good singer to me is that's it. That, that'll win me over anytime. So like the, the folk years, I wasn't really liking music all that much because I was like, these singers are terrible. And I, yeah. I completely missed the point um, that it wasn't about the vocalists. It's, it's about, the writing, the tradition, like all of that, like it, it didn't become about the, the vocalist anymore. So I, I just kind of missed out on, on music. I didn't, I wasn't a Mumford and Sons fan. Yeah. And that's kind of, yeah. that's kind of when it came out uh, that I was a boy band fan because they were like, well, what do you like if you don't like this, if you appreciate <laughs> the songwriting, but you don't like this. And I'm like, yeah. they're like, you say you like vocals and they're like, wait. And then they figured me out. And I'm uh, like, yeah. Well, yeah, two things. Well, my, my one son, uh, who's actually way ahead of me now with technology and mixing and stuff uh he's a matthew parker fan um, mm. and you know Good he likes yeah he likes dubstep and and he's he names genres i've never heard of um yeah. and you know in that world with remixing and everything else so that's that's like his career now he wants to just remix stuff which i think oh, is man. interesting because again in that music the genre is about it's about the drop it's it's not yeah. even necessarily about the vocal hook um, yep. yeah. And, um, Al city, you know, he, he did a very good job of, of overemphasizing vocals, but in a very electronic way. Yep. 
So the genres I have been changing. That too. Yeah, like yeah, they, they are, and and really, even today, like you can listen to current singles on adult contemporary Christian radio, and and it's crossing over even now. It, you know, Christian radio is slow to change. Yes. Um, but you can you can hear some of that even now. You're like, oh wow, like I. You know, I, I would have thought even six months ago, I never would have heard that on, on Caleb or whatever. And then you do. And you're like, huh, I wonder yeah. what's up with that. Well, even uh, even the the 80s keyboard sounds that uh, Hill, yep. Hill songs started to be the first ones to, quote unquote, officially release songs on their album, even in a worship right. setting with that pop um, 80s sort of, you know, like the synthesized yeah. rolling where it, sounds. <clears throat> yeah. And where it's happening on the mainstream side where, you know, you can get away with, you know, whatever, because mainstream kind of makes itself mm -hmm. um, that, that stuff started kind of happening on the mainstream side a, a few years back. And then sometimes the mainstream, um, uh, sometimes the mainstream crosses over into Christian. Like th there were a few things that, that kind of crossed over, I think. And that was one of them that I didn't expect to yes. like actually become. Cause I remember, uh, planet shakers, uh, they came out with an album and, uh, I guess it's 2012, 2013. And I was like, this sounds like kids bop. Like this doesn't sound like, you know, yeah. what, what I'm used to. Uh, and so I, I, I just remember thinking, this isn't going to last. And really, it's just turned into more of that. Mm -hmm. um, and so. Well, uh, and 80s retro is now hip and in. Oh, man. Right? Man, like I'm everyone's so like. so into that. Haven't you I'm heard, so you know, like this this awesome band, Aha. And yeah, um, yeah, I know that <laughs> song. Yeah. And of course, it's yeah. it's the classic. Um, like I was um, alive then, bro. <laughs> it's the <laughs> melody of the keyboard that made the entire song. And that, 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 yeah, I mean, that, the guy had an awesome that, high that, voice. That, but that, that. Yeah, exactly. I, I can still I can get get down to that today. Yeah, I, I, I dude, the, one of the very first songs I remember singing was probably it wasn't even that popular of a song. Um, it, it was by it was when Donny Osmond had attempted a solo career in the <laughs> late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, and uh, he released this song called "Soldier of Love." Yeah, and uh, it was like I'm a thief in the night. It, anyway, like <laughs> he, I, I remember like putting the cassette in to the boombox. I was five, press and play. <laughs> Standing on top of the the AC condenser unit outside where the fan blows, you know, yeah, yeah. And standing on top of it and letting the fan like blow air up into my shirt and <laughs> pretending that I was in front of like thousands of people. So like this, I, this is true I, confession time on frequency. This folks. is this is true confession. So <laughs> yeah, the the pop roots ran deep. But the thing is, like I had an older brother and older sister that loved pop, and then my oldest brother. Ab like he hated pop music and he was a metalhead still to this day uh tr like true definition of a metalhead yeah. so i i was introduced and it, it wasn't even so, so much metal back then it kind of progressed into that yeah i was introduced to bands like king's x and uh kansas um deliverance like just from like mainstream to to Christian, like he yep. just had all the rock stuff. And I, I remember listening to that and loving it. Yep. And then I remember my, my brother and my sister, uh, my other brother and my sister listened to things like new kids on the block or NKOTB <laughs> uh, and Paula, Ab Paula Abdul and stuff like that. So yep. like my, my musical uh, education and, and genres were, were, were pretty, 
polarizing. And so it, I, it's kind of weird because I'm the kind of guy that I can, I can strap on a guitar and, and play rock all day long, but mm-hmm. I'm also the guy that can grab a microphone and do the boy band thing in a heartbeat. <laughs> well, and, but you're a Southern kid. You should be yeah. con- country blues and, and rock. And <laughs> so would you classify yourself as a pop artist or a rock artist? I, you know, and maybe this is where the pop rock comes in. I don't know, uh, because uh, I, I learned to play guitar by listening to worship music, but I really learned to play guitar by listening to John Mayer. There you go. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm an acoustic player more than I am a lead electric player. Okay. Uh, and so um, I, I, I cut. So in the 90s, I, I learned to sing by listening to pop music. Uh, in the 2000s, I learned to play guitar by listening to um easy listening john mayer and rock music so yeah. i but I, you're, never... you're you actually started at a good time though because acoustically driven worship is is all the rave in the last five years oh yeah absolutely absolutely and, and it was in 2001 too I, I remember when a worship band it wasn't what we have now yeah um well i even remember before that there wasn't such thing as a worship i mean it, it was kind of in its infancy but yeah when i was a teenager a worship band was two acoustic guitar players and a guy with a djembe yes um, yeah, <laughs> and so like i kind of miss those days honestly sometimes it made things a lot more simple yeah um yeah well, but, if yeah. you, it, how is it for you? Because I remember watching a, a a snippet from the next with Danny Goki, and you're mm-hmm. standing there with a mic only and a drummer. Um, oh, it's w- weird. Was that an awkward thing to do? It's super awkward, uh, especially because that particular episode was taped, and there's no one in the room, so yeah. you have you have no energy and no crowd to feed off of. Mm-hmm. And so it's just kind of you and you're like, if you don't have the energy, like it's just kind of dead. It's yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it, it's, it's, it's very, it's very tough to make that transition. Like, and I think any worship, I actually, I don't think I know any worship leader would tell you that's used to having a guitar in front of them. And I am, yeah. um, when you lose that security blanket of a guitar, uh, to hide behind all mm-hmm. of a sudden it's like i am bare here yep. before the lord and everyone and this <laughs> is awkward exactly uh, that's how i feel because i i led worship for well almost every sunday for a period of time and then i i don't actually lead now and i preach more than i play music yeah um even like we took our pulpit away and even trying to figure out where to put my stuff in my hands yeah when preaching is yeah, awkward you- you don't get to lean over and put both hands on the pulpit anymore because you got you got nothing. It's like, come on, guys, give me a pub table, something. <laughs> Aren't we progressive? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I, I can't. I, I totally get it though with the guitar because my wife will even say, "You look awkward because we're you, you don't have anything in your hand, and right. in a cordless microphone, what do you do with your other hand? You stick it in your pocket or you pull up the back of your yep. pants, and yeah, yep. it, it gets very awkward. Well, and I, I remember so going back to. When I growing up in, in the church, like I, I sang with just a microphone back then. I, I remember being involved in a little thing called fine arts and uh, they would teach us things like mic cord handling. Um, so this is before, you know, churches could afford wireless microphones. And so like I, I knew there's a technique to holding your mic cable properly as you sing and transitioning microphone from hand to hand. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I remember I remember things like that. And so like, uh, what, you know, up until I was, you know, 15 years old, when I sang in church, I just had a mic. So I, it's not like I don't have the experience, 
But from 15 forward, 15 until, you know, the past four, no, no, no. Yeah. Past three years, no, four years, 15 until the past four years. Like I've been playing with just a guitar. So more than 10 years. Um, and so it, it, it was, it's still an awkward transition. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's tough. Um, and there's times where I'm like, I want to strap on a guitar and there's no need to, because yeah. there's no guitar parts. And, uh, I'm like, I, I can't do this. And, uh, that's, that's all a part of planning. Uh, so for the music I'm doing now, which is more concert driven, yeah. um, you know, you, you just plan it in and, and you make it work. But in terms of worship, I still haven't led worship to this day. Um, just with a microphone. So I know that day is probably coming. And when it does, I hope it's not as awkward as I think it's going to be, but I feel like it's going to be. So I've, I've even done it where I've been playing my or had my guitar and strumming away. I'm not even wired in wirelessly. Yeah. I'm just strumming. There's something, there's something about that, you know, that connection, Um, And sometimes it helps you think clearer when you have something in your hands and something to do. And I I, I don't know, I guess that's what it is, what it's like for me. Yeah. Um, No, I uh, I agree wholeheartedly, even just for timing's sake. And yeah, the the dynamics of having the instrument when that's what you sort of grew up doing. Like a a piano player who who only knows keyboard or a keyboard player who who used to play piano. It's awkward even for them. Yep. Uh, and you suddenly figure out your, um, awkward quirks, the things you didn't know that you did until you are faced with them. Like you, it's crash course with your humanity. You're like, (laughs) Oh my goodness. It's, it's like, uh, this is probably a terrible example, but Ricky Bobby and Talladega Nights when he's being interviewed and he's like, (laughs) I don't know what to do with my hands. Like that. (laughs) You're like, all of a sudden, I'm in front of the world, and, and, and you know, in, in worship, it is it is different um, yeah. because uh, you're you're leading other people um, yeah, vertically, to, yeah, <laughs> vertically, yeah. So it, it is different, um, unlike a performance where it's like it's all on you, buddy. Even in Christian music, you know, it, 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 it being doing what I'm doing now, that's that's actually the harder transition. Yeah. It isn't the harder transition for me. Isn't um, holding a mic or holding a guitar. It's, uh, you know, people come to enjoy a concert performance show. And for me, like I, maybe I'm doing it wrong, but I'm still because of my worship leader background. I'm like, I don't want you to pay attention to me. Like, I I'm glad that you think my voice is pretty. I'm glad that you booked me. I'm glad that you brought me out here. But what I really want to do is I want to point you to the person that can change your life, Mm -hmm. the God who can change your life. And, uh, I, what I want to do is do my best that I'm not so awkward that I'm distracting you from that. Um, but you know, that I'm, you know, performing well enough that like something clicks inside of you that, that, you know, and and I'm, I'm not, I can't perform the Holy spirit into your, into your heart. I'm not even suggesting that. Yeah. Um, But you know, I want to remove distractions, I guess. Right. And, and I don't necessarily think it's bad or sinful to have um, artists focus events. Um, No, you can have worship times, but to even, I don't like the term worship concert. Because yeah, like it, it kind of leaves bad taste. Yeah, like it's okay to to have an artist come and share their art and then have people respond. I don't think it's yep. sinful to have that kind of focus and and I don't mean in a celebrity type of way, but we do that with preachers. You know, if you go to a main yeah. conference and John Piper's preaching, like people worship the ground he walks on. He doesn't want that. Um, but there's a reality that people want to be led. 
and yep. they they do want to look up to somebody or something um you know and the dude perfect guys you know because we talked about them i mean that's a classic example of collaborative leading yep. where it's really one guy who does a lot of the talking but is really a, a group you know <coughs> Rhett and link on youtube does the same thing oh yeah you know you have yeah. the sidekick straight man like that's that's um late night television Really? Like yeah. they, it's a formula. So yeah. having an artist, um, you know, we've had many, many artists on the podcast who are solo, um, yet they, you just know in their heart and their character that that's not really what they're about. But yeah. the, the reality is that's what people want them to be. Paul Blosh would be an example. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, there's, there's Love just, the yeah, there's just so, but it's because of his character and because of how he carries himself um, that people want to keep talking to him. Um, yep. You know, his songs are not stellar. They're not, they're formulaic. They're a lot of them are in key of G, you know, like yeah. they're easy, but it's again, like Chris Tomlin, we love to hate him because he, he makes the most money on CCLI. <laughs> yeah, but sure it's, does. but it's because he, he knows the industry and he knows what sells and what works. And he still keeps the theology rich enough that churches yeah. want to use it as part of their liturgy. And, right. that, you know, and that's just the reality of the and, industry. And, that, and that's really the tougher part of transitioning from being a worship leader to being uh, a performer. And it's, it's hard to look at it that way, even for myself and for people outside of the industry to look at it that way is, um, you know, it's at the end of the day, it, it is a business. Um, and it, and it uh, even though like to you personally, it's a ministry um, when you when you work with. Uh, and that's the thing where, you know you got to decide, do you want to be a part of a record label or do you want to do this thing yourself? Do you want to be a weekend warrior? Do you want uh, to be on a large platform? Like, you know, there's a lot of things to consider. Yeah. So. Yeah. Now, would you say, because um, you're a signed artist now, mm -hmm. um, and are you still operating independently or, you know, for people who are, are you know, a new artist and they're looking to go in that direction, um, does the label take you over or do they have suggestions? How does that work for you as, as a, you know, up and coming touring artist? Right. Uh, so for me, you know, and, and any record label will tell you this, all, all deals are, and you probably know this, um, but for the sake of the audience yeah. out there, um, uh, all record deals are structured completely different. Um, even, even in house on my label, I, I know that there's probably people that, are signed uh, to the label I'm at that have uh, a deal that's structured completely different than mine. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it varies from label to label, but it also varies within the label. And so the way I have mine structured, um, I uh, pay for my own recording still, but what that entitles me to is I, I retain the ownership of the mechanicals and I retain the ownership of uh, my, uh, publishing and my writing. So I can do whatever I want with my writing and my publishing. And, okay. um, and so that, that's, that's worth a lot in, in and of itself. Uh, and the fact that my label was, um, uh, you know, willing to do that speaks a lot ab about them. Um, but that also uh, means so that, that if you're not continuing with them, they're not parking your music. Correct. Correct. I mean, I do have option deals, uh, and you know, I won't get into what options even mean. So I, right. I have, several more options available to me. And they, they liked me enough that basically that means they like you enough. They want to keep you on for another album. You yeah. know, I've, I've already been optioned for another one. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's this latest project. Uh, and so um, it, it's it, not much changed in the way of, uh, of, of my work ethic. 
I still have to make calls. I still have to do booking. I do have a manager now that helps me with that because mm-hmm. I figured out like with, uh, with radio taken off, I, I couldn't, I just couldn't, um, uh, take care of the creative and the business side of things on my own anymore. It just got to the point where it was, it was too much. And so I started dropping things through the cracks and, yeah. uh, double booking, overbooking and things like that. And radio is um, a probably- different beast altogether. Oh, radio is a completely different beast altogether. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's like radio it, right now, especially in, in the genre I'm in is, you know, you're trying to, uh, you, you don't want to do this. You don't want to placate to everyone. You don't want to try to please everyone, but you're mm-hmm. put in this impossible position where you kind of have to. Yes. Um, because one side of, of the crowd that's in the same charting, uh, wants a song that sounds more like song a, and then, uh, one side of the crowd wants it to sound like song B, but then they're both like, well, we want it somewhere in the middle and you have to figure out what that middle is yourself. And so you're just yeah. constantly throwing stuff out there, hoping that you hit that middle ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, what a lot of labels will do, um, they'll put you in like a development deal and uh, you'll, um, you'll, you'll, you'll figure out that sound before you kind of get thrown out into the world of radio yeah. uh, or you can do like me and just be like, well, shoot, man, just throw some seed out there and hope something comes back. <laughs> I love it when you throw in the accent <laughs> <laughs> and you alluded to your current project. Cause you're, you're obviously you're about to hit the road and, yep. and you're, you're hitting the ground running. Um, what does that look for look like for you? Like, what is it called? You know, how do people uh, figure out where to come see you and stuff like that? Well, uh, I'm, I'm hitting the road in two different ways. I still lead worship, believe it or not. Uh, I, that's that's one calling in my life. I, I volunteer at our, at our church here in, in Nashville still. And uh, then I also, uh, you know, take engagements out on the road. Um, and so I, I play at church. I'll be playing at a church in Texas this weekend. Uh, and the, the, the church I'm playing at was actually my former employer. So I, I must have <laughs> done something right. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, so that, that's one way, if I'm in your area, that's one way you can come see me for free. Uh, but don't expect it to be like, um, uh, what you hear on, uh, Spotify, those, yeah. you know, those are two kind of different things. Um, but, uh, I'll be on tour, uh, with, uh, this tour called, uh, the millennial tour. Uh, so I, I've been heard, I've heard that it's been described as, uh, winter jam junior. Uh, that's, <laughs> okay. So I'm like, okay, sure, whatever. Uh, so you're I, not I'll opening for Toby Mac, but no, 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 I'm not opening for Toby Mac. Uh, it's really just a bunch of us, uh, you know, up and coming artists uh, that um, we, we've got some radio airplay, we've got some buzz and some stuff like that going on, and kind of our introduction to the world. Right, uh, and that coincides with uh, some Creation Festival dates we're doing. I'll be at Creation Festival East and Creation Festival West. Uh, I'll be on the fringe stages and the main stages at both of those events, I believe. Uh, you know, those dates on the millennial tour coming up, I, I, I don't have them in front of me, but, uh, you can go to my website, which is www.joelvonmusic.com. And like, uh, the landing page, uh, show, shows you all the tour dates. If you scroll down, just like right there, or you can click on the tour tab, it'll take you to the same place. And, um, that'll, that'll give you an idea, um, whether you need to purchase tickets or whether mm-hmm. it's a worship thing that you can just show up to. So, no, that's great. Now, um, you're in Nashville. Are you in Franklin or I I'm, uh, I'm just South of Franklin. I'm about, uh, 13 miles south of Franklin. 
Okay. In a, in, in, in a town that they, uh, that the people in Nashville joke, uh, as they call it a vortex where when people have kids, they, uh, disappear to and never come back. <laughs> nice. Um, so. yeah. So, so you're not like, yeah, you're not like a typical, uh, Nashville artist that's, you know, working at Starbucks during the day, nope. trying to meet, meet, meet the, uh, record label executives and give them free coffee. <laughs> <laughs> no, I meet, I meet record label executives now, but, uh, since I have a deal, it's not, it's not as awkward as that because I'm like, I, man, I have a deal. Like we can just talk and be human beings. And that, yeah. to me, that's, that takes the pressure off and it's nice. And like, we can be friends and I'm not trying to impress anyone. I I'm, yeah. I'm glad. I signed a deal before I came to Nashville because that, that could, I, I understand that that can be so awkward. I was talking with a buddy that works at a record label the other day. And yeah, this is a conversation for another time, but he's like, yeah. sometimes you don't really know who's your friend because everybody wants to be your friend. And yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so you don't have to go up and say, hi, I'm Joel Vaughn and I'm signed. Want to have a coffee? <laughs> I'm signed and you don't have to worry about me bugging you for any kind of a deal because I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in you as a person. And then they look at you like you're either really? insane or you're telling the truth. Let's go. Have yeah. And you're, you're, you said you're 30 now. I am 30 going on 31. I, I, I'm not go. a young buck to this industry by any means. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and again, there's guys that have been around that did really good music. Another example is Matthew Reed who many yeah. people don't, don't know who he is. I think he actually works for Sony now. Um, mm -hmm. he's an, he's an artist rep, but, um, there's, there's, there's so much talent out there and a lot of people just never get heard. His yep. EP is actually one of my favorite EPs of all time. And no one knows who in the world he is. <laughs> you know, I, I tell Andrea, I, I tell my, my wife that all the time, like, yeah. uh, the, some of the things that are frustrating about Christian radio, like one, I I'm very appreciative of what they do. People wouldn't hear about, the Lord, if it wasn't for, you know, these organizations putting it out there. But the frustrating thing is like knowing uh, that there are people out there that that are honestly, it's kind of terrifying. There are people out there that are way, way more talented than I am and, and mm. deserve. Uh, it seems to me that they deserve to have that platform. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm incredibly thankful that I that I've even had the small amount of success that I have. I've had a number 18 and a number 16 single on, you know, billboard and that that's great. Yeah. And I had a person put it into perspective for me the other day. It's like, do you realize that not even 15% of people make it to where you're at? Because I feel yeah. like I'm not even like making a dent or that I'm not affecting any people's lives. And I'm like, why did it become about that for me anyway? But yeah, um, yeah. you know, you, you find yourself kind of swimming in the charts and worrying about that. But, uh, you know, th there, there are people out there, there are indie artists out there that, you know, deserve to be heard and, and they, they don't know how, um, and so, you know, they, they kind of get bought in by a lot of the, the Nashville promises. Like, you know, you come out here and you do this, you talk to person A, person B, yeah. um, you're going to be a star. And it's just, it's just not that way. Um, yeah. It, it, yeah. it's not about who, you know, it's about who knows you. So, yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, I do appreciate so much you, you being so honest and open. Absolutely. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. Thanks so much. Have a good day. Hey, God bless. God bless. Bye-bye.
right, Joel, there it is. We finally got through the end of uh, the interview with Joel Vaughn. Again, neat guy. Um, it was a lot of fun to talk to him. Very interesting guy. And I think he's one that we're going to be able to connect back with and sort of follow along in his journey. Um, you know, young kids, you know, just, I mean, he's not, uh, he's not new in the industry, but he's definitely not a veteran. Um, but I like the fact that he's in a different genre than we're used to even talking to guys about in yeah. the sort of pop rock, uh, electronic, even EDM world, uh, with some of his influence and friends within the dream label group. So, uh, yeah. And, um, why don't we dive right into who we're going to be talking to next? Cause I know we've already got some interviews lined up. Um, who's the next one on the docket? Well, man. Okay. So we have Greg Sykes, your interview yep. with Greg Sykes and, my guess is that's going to, we're going to release that within a few days of this episode. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I caught up with Ross King. Everybody knows Ross. Yep. Hallelujah um, for the cross. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, which we should probably say was co-written with Todd Wright. Todd Wright. Yes. <laughs> Todd never gets credit. <laughs> <laughs> um, we just did a little quick catch up with him because he's released a, a full album and an EP since the last time we interviewed him. And his EP came out in January, so we had a chance to catch up on that. That'll be an amped interview. That'll be coming out um, probably the next two or three weeks. And then um, I spoke with Matty Mullins, and his name may be familiar if you are a metalcore fan, and I'm sure that our listening base is full of metalcore fans. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Just like us. Just like, rah, 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 rah. yeah, I don't Occasionally, I actually get, you know, in, in terms of albums to review, we get metalcore. Yes. Ship to us. Yeah. Um, and I'll listen to it, but I don't review it um, because I have no perspective. Now, I will say before we move on, I like the band Red. They are technically they are technically metalcore. They have the growl. They have the, the heavy, hard hitting stuff, but they also do orchestral and, and ballads. So um, for all those metalcore fans out there, I mean, I do have appreciation for it. I like the band Red, Christian metalcore, hardcore band. So just putting it out there. Fair enough. Well, anyway, Matt, our interview with Maddie Mullins is coming out. If you are a, uh, a patron on Patreon, you already have access to that interview. We actually posted it raw, like completely unedited yeah. from the beginning of the recording to the end, cut nothing out, which will become immediately apparent because there are lots of mistakes that I made. And Maddie showed remarkable graciousness and patience when I referred to his main project, which is Memphis Mayfire. <laughs> and I right. called it Memphis Mayfair. Mayfair. So, yeah. Totally different sounding word. Mayfair reminds reading, me of like, like a 30s movie. <laughs> yeah, or a hotel chain. I don't know. Um, yeah. And I was, I was reading off of the sheet because uh, I write out my intros a lot of the time. And mm -hmm. I instead, and I read Memphis Mayfair fire with my eyes and with my mouth, Memphis Mayfair. Anyway, so uh, if you're not already a patron on Patreon, you know, that maybe that's your incentive is uh, um, check yeah, out as little that. as $1 a month. You can have a sneak peek on how foolish we can be behind the scenes. Oh, yeah. It's well <laughs> worth it, folks. Well worth oh, it. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, for some people, I, I think it'd be fun for them to see what goes into having a conversation with folks, especially when they've been through eight or nine interviews and you're trying to be unique and trying to, to be gracious back to them. Because it's got to be tough to talk oh, to absolutely. folks like us, you know, for 12 hours a day um, for a project, uh, especially when for Matty Mullins, it was a side project. It wasn't meant to be sort of a main gig. 
Right, right. Yeah. So anyway, so, that's exciting, and that's on the horizon. Yeah. Well, uh, before we go, uh, we can just share our social media. Um, if you want to connect with us on Facebook, um, we're just frequency.fm and Twitter as well. Uh, Twitter is probably easier to respond in. Um, I find the Facebook world is is a little bit um, barren, um, really hard to stay connected to folks, mostly because they don't see our page. That's just sort of, sort of how the Facebook world is. So if you like our page, go through the extra step of clicking notify, get notified of our updates. That's the best way to stay engaged with our podcast feed. And again, if you want to uh, um, be aware of what's going on right away, if you subscribe to us on SoundCloud, which can be free, then you'll also be notified of the audio just as soon as we post it. So we look forward to hearing from you and uh, feel free to rate us on iTunes and all the different audio uh, mediums that we're on. Well, you said it all, man. Let's wrap this thing up so I can get back to my coffee. <laughs> All right. Well, have a good rest of the day, Joe. And uh, thank you so much for everybody um, contributing to this. Thank you for our supporters. And uh, we look forward to the next time we talk. Thanks, guys. Bye for now.